So Kate, this morning I was reading your biog and I, I just, I mean, I can't believe how many strings to the bow you have. It's amazing. <laughs> I wrote down a few of them and this is only a few. Okay, so business leader and founder, so that's of Insight Passion, uh, presenter, TV presenter, current insight and business expert, uh, a singer, which I listen to her, and a brilliant singer. Um, and you have also, so you're a speaker as well, and you have three children. I know there's loads more to that, but I, after I read all of that, I just couldn't believe how many things you do and, and kind of how, so my question is, what, what, it, what does your job entail at the moment? It's probably a lot more simplified in my mind, um, thankfully, because that sounds like there's a hell of a lot going on, doesn't it? I mean, the children are a given. I've got three children, so that's being a parent. Um, twins of three years old can be quite a handful, but they're all delicious, so I'm completely besotted with them. And as well as being a parent and my family duties, which are my most kind of biggest priority every day, I work within a business that basically puts the customer at the heart of everything it does. So that doesn't really matter whether I'm on television trying to get the best deal for a shopper, uh, which I do for each shop, each shop save and rip off Britain, or whether I am on the Today programme talking about a business and how their state of affairs are looking and trying to understand why they might not be doing as well or they're doing brilliantly. That tends to be because they're serving the customer well. And for my own clients, it's businesses that want to do better by serving people better and giving them more, uh, uh, more products, more service, more benefits for interacting and engaging with them. Um, we very easily then um, put the customer at the heart of everything we do. And we also have a 20% give back scheme. So one day a week I get to support charity, community, voluntary startup businesses. And that's the same process. We're just trying to get them to put the customer, even if it's a charity, so the person who might benefit from that charity at the heart of everything they do. So <clears throat> I get up and do the same every day. Right. In effect, that's been a specialist on consumerism, how we buy, how we shop, how we consume things. Um, and I've done that for over 20 years. So that bit hasn't changed for me. I guess the scale of it, the places I do that, the geography of it, as well as the, um, the different channels of communication has changed. But I know what I'm doing every day. And that is I'm listening to good people who tell me what they want, how they want to spend their money. And I'm helping businesses and organizations deliver on it. So where did this all start from? So like this customer insight, is this obviously built up over the 20 years? Like where, what's kind of your background? My background is brand and marketing right. with a opportunity to deliver in those departments for businesses that were very dynamic. So you weren't a pure marketing or brand specialist. You were involved in sales in product design in key account relationship management. So all of those elements of a business where they're normally siloed into your, this department or your, that department. I was working in businesses that were, fast moving, very ambitious. So you had to be abreast of all of that. And additionally, I worked for international businesses. So I was, you know, one of the first Caucasian females to actually start uh, sourcing um, and being heavily involved from a UK business in China and Thailand and um, Singapore and many different places as well. So all of that scoped out uh, an opportunity for me to learn a lot. And in learning a lot, I realized that any business worth its salts would always try and deliver the best for its customer. Mm. What we knew at that point was online was emerging. What we didn't know uh, at that point was just how quickly online was emerging. And I'm not just talking about retail here. I'm talking about all these brilliant things like we do right now, podcasts mm. and social media and all of the ways of communication, which in effect is just giving the consumer more voice more opinion, more opportunity to be heard. And in that, if you're a business, you have to make sure that you take all that into account. So I guess I put my chips on the right table when I went to study at places like INSEAD and I, I perhaps specialized in the right areas. And that thankfully has seen me being demanded to deliver on what I need to do to fulfill that over the past few years. 
So when did you um, set up your own business? When did you stop like working for other companies and do your own thing? Well, it's 10 years this year. So it's really um, exciting that we're starting to plan some 10 year celebrations all around the access for all scheme that we have, which is the 20% back. So it's in our nature to, if we do have a party or do think something in a celebratory fashion, we like to do it so that it will benefit others. We don't tend to be an organization that just spends on lots of razzmatazz. We don't have traditional marketing or PR to get us out there. We would rather donate our time and, and hopefully we'll create some testimonials out of that instead. Um, so 10 years has been a really interesting journey. I didn't think we would be as international as we are. So I work in Australia and America every month, which is, uh, again, when we're talking about routines, mm. that's a hell of a thing to get your head around. And uh, I work on the speaking circuit, as you've mentioned. So a lot of uh, keynote speech can be on very big stages and very prestigious locations around the world. Um, I certainly didn't envisage the media side would uh, become as big as it did. Um, I'm delighted with that, but I wasn't chasing a dream to be on TV. Oh. So, you know, the geek in me feels good because I'm delivering on what I do and helping consumers out there. Nothing delights me more when I get stopped in a supermarket and someone says, I've saved a fortune because of your tips. That makes me very happy. Um, tell me about how you did get into the the TV side of things then? How did that come about? The presenting? I think like, yeah, I think Lauren, like a lot of things, there's, there's different, um, different things that happen in your life, different roads you can take. We call it the sliding doors moment, don't we? Yeah. Um, so I think three big things happened. Uh, number one, I think is very important to talk about on something like this, which is I probably reached a point enough where I was comfortable enough in my own skin. Mm. So I've always been, uh, very into my numbers. I have proven myself very successfully in business, but I was very happy in the boardroom. I wasn't a front of house person, despite being a singer in a different line. And so I was comfortable enough that I was robust and expert that I had something to offer rather than it being a voice without proven entity. I had enough under my belt, if you like, that I could be taken on screen and I could challenge or I could make these insights and they would be heard because I've, I've delivered enough on that. I think the second thing is generally a lot of our TV uh, media channels, particularly the news channels, needed a better balance of male to female voices, particularly in the business area. You used to get a very pale male stale business expert sat there talking about the numbers. And business is a male and female industry, so we need a good balance there. And a few people had heard me uh, doing speeches and on the speaking circuit and thought that I had something different. And I keep standing to checking that with the channels. Is, is the, what's the demand? What's the reason for using me? How can I improve? What else can I do? Because I think we've always got to be asking those questions of ourselves. And what I'm told is the people watching like to hear the fact that I'm no nonsense, that I'm quite straight talking. Uh, that I don't seem to have an alliance to anyone or any product or thing, which is very true. So I'm talking independently. And that it's very warm, which I really hope it is. I'm a warm person, so I'm glad that comes across. And if I can just make one difference to one person, listening to a business piece and thinking, well, I understand that a bit more, then that's the job done. So tell me a bit about when you worked with Bill Clinton. <laughs> That was a really unusual event. So with um, speaking gigs, um, you're on a circuit and quite often you will cross paths with the same speakers. And I'm still a geek girl, so I like going and learning. And I always go and sit in the audience very often with people who I want to listen to before I do my moment. And these auditoriums can be big and vast, but there was a conference where the keynote was the, the um, ex-POTUS Bill Clinton. And the tickets were enormously expensive. There were a lot of big names on that, on that bill. Uh, excuse the pun. And um, I was booked on the day of, of his uh, talk. And so was a good friend of mine called Levi Roots, who you may know from a product called Reggae Reggae. Yeah. And Unfortunately, the organizers had balanced speakers like ourselves who were being paid for, who were there to give good, good um, information and insight to the audience with some people that had paid for the spot. 
So they were actually more in a sales mode. And that's obviously when you've paid a lot of money for a conference, you don't want to perhaps be told to. You want lots of insight to take back. Yeah. And I wouldn't give my uh, speech, which was uh, very warmly received, really good. Thousands of people there. It was at the O2. And then not long after Levi was on, but just sort of in the run-up to uh, the ex-president being on stage, they'd put some more of these... Um, speakers who perhaps were trying to sell the wares a bit too much. So they asked Levi and I to go back and do this kind of dual picking the audience up, um, winging it as you like, kind of free the, the POTUS coming on stage uh, speech. And we were just 20 minutes on stage and actually what we both have in common is we were both in music and then transferred to business. And we were talking about the skills that you need to be able to be a performer and then the skills that you need to be a business person. And it went down really, really well. But there was a, it was an absolutely jam-packed auditorium and then a front line which was empty. And we couldn't really understand why this front line was empty because we thought, surely everyone's who's going to be there is going to be there by now. But oh no. People started walking and sitting down. Into, they were ushered into these front seats. And even I, who I'm not much of a, a celebrity gal, but I really did start to recognise these faces. Okay. Sure, that's Trudy Styler, Sting's wife. Sure, that's David Fern. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And basically, these were all um, Bill Clinton's celebrity friends that had come to the front line to listen about his philanthropic journey. Wow. So you could say, you know, for the, the last 10 minutes of some customer whisper insight, I did have kind of a galactic star audience there. But it was, it was fantastic. All speaking gigs are what you make of them. And I think you've got to just make sure you've got enough energy to give within that 30 or 40 minutes. You've got to make sure everyone's on that journey with you. And the main thing to me is people don't just feel like they can send a rocket to the moon, but they've got some information on how they're going to do it. Um, so that's my key tip on speaking gigs. I've done them for 10 years now, and I've literally done them all around the world. And I think for me, a happy audience is an audience that a few months afterwards are able to come back to you and say, well, I learned this, or I found this out. That's, that's the token for me, not just what people get out there and then, but how do they use your information to make a difference? So when you did your first speaking gig, were you nervous or anything? Or, or, or do you think being a singer in your past life helped you with that? And do you, you know, do, you do anything before you go onto stage to kind of prepare, or is it just a natural thing for you? I think I've probably, it would be untrue for anyone to say that they've been paid to do something where they've got a very limited time to do it. It's very live, anything could happen. And you're not aware of that. Same with live TV. Yeah. Um, going on first thing in the morning, we often get the figures through when we're talking about a, a particular set of results, for instance at 7am and at 7.08 you're live broadcasting to the world having meant to have consumed a dossier, a dossier you know so right. big on, on numbers and facts and figures and names of CEOs and things that's quite nerve-wracking you get that information wrong and then suddenly you've taken your brand reputation and squished it up in a ball that day so I think with every gig there's the opportunity of understanding what are the consequences of the things that are going to happen today um, I think being a singer absolutely has allowed me to deal with my nerves. I don't know if I deal with them in the best way. I don't all of the uh, various experts out there probably agree with it. I do tend to just bottle it up. Um, but I think it's the energy levels you've got to hit. I think what you've not to allow the nerves to do is get in the way of how much passion, uh, how much you want to take people on the journey, how much you have eye contact with them. You know, still over 70% of our communication is body language and, and not what we're saying. So it's how do you present yourself? How do you make sure you've got the energy to do that? And like most people, I have bad days. I have days when I'm feeling great or I've had an argument or, you know, something's gone wrong. And then it's, it's the methods that you need to build yourself back up for that. And it doesn't matter if it's a speaking gig in your local business networking group of 10, 20 people or 2,000 people. Everyone sat there deserves the best performance of that day. And it is a performance. So practice makes perfect you really you know you'll feel better when you've done it and done it and done it and done it yeah and obviously you know what you're talking about inside and out which really you know helps doesn't it because you know it's easier for you to then flow with your conversation I'm, I'm guessing I would never wing anything um my husband thinks I'm crazy because even if I'm doing a big set of results and I've done that company's results 
four times a year for 10 years. I get all of my paperwork back out from the previous 10 years. I remind myself of all of the flow, what I was expecting. And it'll just be another half an hour at midnight, you know, to do that. And, you know, my partner will say, but you know this inside, no one knows it better than you. You're going to be fine. I'll say, no, you never know when that's going to be the moment when your brain just stops or something interferes or something's gone wrong through the middle of the night with the kids. And I'm not on top of my game. I need to know what I'm saying tomorrow. I need to be ready for any question to come to me mm. um, and be challenged on that. And I need to know my stuff. So I don't know if that's a really great takeout for people because I think it just means extra work, but that's my philosophy. But I think though that that's the, that's the truth of it, isn't it? It's like when you see, so say for example, someone like you and you think, right, okay, well, obviously, you know, you're a very intelligent woman and you have lots of years of experience, but you're still working seriously hard to be at the top of your game, aren't you? It's, it has, you know, it's like you said, it's not like it's just, easy we're not meant to say this are we because yeah. i think we're meant to be giving people reassurance that it doesn't have to be this hard mm. but my outtake is it is really really hard uh, it's seven days a week it's always just cramming in another article um or another thought piece from someone um when when you perhaps could just give yourself five more minutes time doing something else I've had to find a really great balance in how to lead a family life and feel content enough that I'm doing a reasonable job of that whilst making sure that I do try and stay on top of my game and I'm very aware of that you know it's been it's been a really gritty climb up that mountain it's not been smooth at all um for for 10 years in doing that and I never want to let anyone down and it doesn't matter to me you know I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews but it doesn't matter to me if it's a local radio station or it's, you know, big news night performance kind of thing. It's all got to be me absolutely focused on that topic, but drawing on a lot of experience. I think that's what helped, you know, because I have done every single job within an organization. I've packed in factories. I've worked the shop floor. I've designed goods and bought them from international countries. I've lived in dorms in China. I have a lot of that to reflect back and draw into. So I'm not just uh, out there trying to uh, punt myself as an expert and not knowing must. I, I have lived and walked days in all of those lives. And that really helps a lot. It gives you reassurance to draw on. Tell me what a normal day looks like to you, like a normal business day. This what was the bit of the interview I was dreading. <laughs> There is genuinely not a normal day. So right. here's, here's the rub. When you run your own business, it, any work opportunities you get, you grab with both hands. Yeah. When you hopefully have established a business, you might start to be able to uh, be very honest about the pieces of work that you get and where you're going to make a great job for that client and making sure that everyone feels good about what's delivered. And that's my philosophy. I want it to be the right piece of work for us because I want to deliver to the best way for our client. I don't believe in Harry Potter magic. It's got to be that you can deliver on it. And to deliver on it, even with years and years of experience, there's going to be things that come out of the bag and surprise you and you're not prepared for and you're not ready for. And I over-service clients. So if I have to jump on a plane to Australia one more time than I thought, or I have to go and do some more research in New York than I thought, or even I have to be up late with my team working through something, I will do it. And then I've got to try and make sure the parenting side comes into it. So I could describe a morning for you in Melbourne versus a morning right here, and they would be so different. So I'll take you through this morning. This morning, I got to bed at 3 a.m. because my conference call with Australia on a really important meeting finished at 3 a.m. But then it resumed at 7.30 a.m., which is the end of their working day. So I was back on conference call at 7.30 a.m. Right. I, I then finished that conference call with a client and with them in a couple of weeks, they were at a really critical point. I then go through all the things that my PA sent through what, what else is happening today, remind myself, answer some urgent emails. Then, uh, because I'm working from my home office today, I went through to see my kids and had half an hour with them. No phones, no emails, not distracted, completely focused on them. They were looking at the globe, so we went and did some countries together and things like that. 
then I'm back to a conference call for uh, the BBC about CBA agreements. I can see the light flashing off your eyes there. Um, but it's a very technical um, business agreement that business is going to uh, sometimes and trying to help the team behind the scenes with right. that. So a lot of the time I'll be speaking to the media companies. I'm not actually preparing for an interview. I'm actually helping them with their information. And then with you. Right. And then I am having a meeting here. And then I've got some interviews this afternoon on a new story that's coming out that I've been working on. And tonight's then rehearsal night. So I'm back in singing mode with my band until 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, I've got two hours. And then at 12 o'clock, I'm back on conference call with Australia. Oh my goodness. I can't. Is that singing bit? Is that that's is that not work to you? And I know it's work because you're doing the function. But is it is that your hobby as well? A hundred percent. So last night the same slot was taken by yoga. Um, I don't get to do the the routine that a lot of people get to enjoy, and some people I know don't enjoy routine, but. There is a limited amount of time that I can do my yoga, I can do my rehearsals, and then I'm you know, in a, in a different place, different time zone, and I'll have four weeks not doing those things that I love. So it's really important when I'm UK-based that two or three things I commit to. Sunday's a family day, right. that's it. It has to be really, really important to interrupt with the Sunday family day. Um, I need yoga because I need my mindfulness. I need just a couple of hours. And rehearsals are a great way for me just to really focus on the job at hand and not think about what is the news that's coming through? What do I think is going to happen? What's this next piece of filming about? I need to learn my scripts. It's just time for me to just switch off, which I absolutely adore. And just be in the moment, I'm guessing, there, you know, because there's nothing else that can fill your mind while you're singing. No, apart from the words, what's yeah. everyone doing? How's this track sounding? Um, I think the great thing as well is it's a brilliant leveller. Right. You know, the people that I've been performing with, I've done so from when I was pretty illegally going into pubs and clubs and singing at 15 and 16, pretending I was older. So there are no, you know, no MBE badges you wear to those little uh, rehearsals. No this is my TV portfolio. It's like, have you learned your, your bit? Are you in tune? Is it how we want to hear it? That's it. So I love the grounding. I suppose it's like going back to, I always say it's like going back to the Cheers bar. I always wanted to live in a place where there was a Cheers bar to go to. I'd love that camaraderie and all, all the people watching this now going, what the hell is she talking about? Because I'm really old, but Cheers was this brilliant sitcom and everyone knew your name, didn't they? Yeah. And I always... That's, that's the thing for me. You go in, everyone knows each other. There's no, there's no um, image there. There's no ego. It's just all of a team of people getting by. And that's what I love most about it. So I do find it really therapeutic. You're just Kate. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes not very good at my job, Kate, because I've not learned the bit I'm meant to learn, you know, and I get told. And I, I love that. I, actually, I don't like getting it wrong, but I love the fact that you know, I have to pull my, my weight as a team member. Mm. Uh, hugely grounding and uh, really enjoyable still. The only sad thing is, you know, that um, I think unlike all the other members of the band, there's probably a shelf life to uh, what people expect to see a lead singer in, in a band looking like. And that's just how it is really. But at the moment, I think I'm all right. I think I can keep going. Yeah, you're still Another manager. <laughs> How do you, so my, I'm really interested in knowing how you, how you manage all of those things in one day. So is it, obviously you have a PA, which is really helpful, but are there other, do you have to keep really focused on just key things? Like what that, you know, for me in my job, I find it challenging when you've got a number of projects on and, and kind of, you, how do you juggle all of those things and making sure that you're keeping the main priority ones? You know, so tell me how you do that. I'm really interested in that. I'm always learning from people. So if this was a normal conversation, I would be reflecting as much back on you and asking for your tips because I think you can always learn and you can always improve. And I think once you cross that bridge in your mind, I think it's a really healthy place to be. So I think if you're always on the lookout for opportunities to do things better 
you are going to give yourself the healthiest of breaks because it means that you don't feel you have to ever deliver it perfection. You've been very honest with from people saying, I'm still on a learning journey myself. Um, I was an older mum, if you like, so I'm still learning the path. I know what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, but that's just not been practical in a lot of ways. So I have to be really resilient in not beating myself up all the time because actually that's, that's where the main problem comes from. The, the pressure, the guilt is applied by yourself. And you've really got to work through how to be the best version of yourself at the things that are possible and how to say no to a lot that's not been possible. So I think things I've had to almost let go of for a while, which I'm not happy about, but I have done for the right reasons is I don't see my girlfriends as much as I used to. And I find that incredibly difficult because... I, I love their company. I love being with them. And I think it's really good for the soul to spend time with people you're affectionate towards and that you can learn from. But luckily, a lot of my very close girlfriends are in exactly the same position as me. And we've made the agreement that as long as we use these brilliant devices to keep in contact, we will do that and try and meet for a quality thing twice a year than try and catch up every month as we normally would. Right. I don't watch TV as much as I should. And I say that in a really honest way. I think TV is a brilliant medium. And I hear a lot of people who kind of snarl and say, well, I don't watch TV. I love TV. You know, I, lo- I love documentaries and soaps and housing programs. I love all of that. But I don't get to do it as much as I want because it takes time I don't particularly have through the week. So box sets are brilliant for that. But actually best thing for that's a plane journey yeah. can do a whole box set on plane journey no problem yeah um and i think it's just being really mindful of trying to give yourself a break not doing lots and lots of different little bits and doing quality bits in focus right. um i don't think i've won the battle because i think too many times i've missed friends weddings really important events been in the wrong place at the wrong time or I've not been able to put myself under so much pressure to try and turn up and, you know, attend for an hour. Um, but I've worked to find solutions with the person I might be letting down to make it feel better for them because it's about them. It's not me. You have to make sacrifices. Yeah. And I, I have two main objectives. It's my children, my family and, and my work at the moment. And that's the phase that I'm in. And it will always be like this. Yeah. But I've missed, I've missed out on a lot. Yeah. I think that's really good though the fact that you're putting it in phases really because this is who you are now but like you said it's not always going to be that way and and you, you're obviously enjoying what you're doing because otherwise you wouldn't be so passionate about it and I'm guessing a lot of the time it doesn't seem like work because it must keep you engaged and, and kind of that must be where you get your buzz from as well uh, <laughs> maybe not today it's, I'm incredibly passionate about it. Yeah. I'm incredibly real about it. I think people would describe me as real, which yeah. I love. Yeah. And I think with anything that you're passionate about, relationship, otherwise, there's going to be as many downsides as upsides because that's what creates passion. Yeah. There's no null average in passion. There's ups and downs. Yeah. There's highs and lows. And it is making sure that that balance is there for you. I absolutely adore helping organizations be even better than they already are because nothing makes me happier than going back to my really early working on the shop floor days and thinking about when we delighted a customer because I know how good that can feel. All of us have got a hell of a lot of battles at the moment. We know that that's well documented and you can't separate, sorry to get deep for a minute, but you can't separate things like the rising violence on a shop floor away from how people are feeling. That is linked very much to the fact that people are more frustrated, there's more anger out there, there's more emotion out there, and people are taking it out on uh, anyone and everyone. And I'm very aware of that. So I don't think this is just about tick a box, smile, present a bag, and that's it, you know, you've created a great customer experience. I'm talking about just literally helping the quality of people's lives to get better. People not feeling frustrated and hurt because they're on the phone with a, a, a gas company or a water company and it's all going horribly wrong. Just feeling like they're being treated like human beings. We all deserve respect. 
So that is my passion and my driver. The right. incredibly long way around to get there, the attention to detail that I don't think anyone would see, even with you know any job, mm. I think is the real hard yards. And, and sometimes you do look and think, I know my competitors are not putting this amount of effort in. I know they're not going to this nth degree. And reassuring yourself and being the voice in your head to say, yeah, but that's what makes us different. can be really difficult when a client comes to you and says, yeah, but can you do it for less? Or, you know, can we, can we not pay as much? But I think talking to a lot of business owners, particularly smaller business owners, I don't think I'm alone there at all. Not at all. And I think part of that is knowing your worth as well. And also, you know, sometimes we aren't good fits for each other, for a client. And, and that may come down to price. But that's okay to to kind of leave it in a in a great way and both walk away happy, isn't it? It is if you can afford to do that. But you know, I remember what it was like bootstrapping my business at the beginning, and I did bootstrap. And yeah. I see a lot of organisations that don't take that route. And I'm human. I look at someone who's only just started up, and they might be in a more palatial office than mine, or they might be driving a nicer car than I, and think. Goodness me, you know, that's, why am I not doing, why not, why not treating myself, why am I not living that life? But I'm too rigorous, I am too uh, sensible to do anything other than that. And I think looking back now in 10, 10 years on, the route's been the right route and the direction's been the right one. And I think I've not lost any of my passion, but I have great realism of what it takes to have the, the highs that come. You have to, they're not lows, they're just enormous hours of really de detailed, concentrated work and study. I still study now. Right. I still go and make sure that I am studying to be top of my game. So last year was a bit more enjoyable because I went to study at the Disney Institute, which was lovely. So went to get my graduation years from Mickey and things. Um, but that's because I was doing a lot of work in travel and tourism uh, at the time. And I wanted to live in their world. But every year I'm looking for something where I can expand my learning. Yeah. And have you ever worked with, have you ever had a mentor yourself? Have you ever experienced that? Or yeah, I've had, I've had mentors. And I've just done a piece actually for a major newspaper this week about it. Because I'm trustee for the Diana Award, yeah. which is Princess Diana's Legacy. And we have two main areas that we support young people on, uh, which was her, her legacy. What she wanted uh, to do was always see the potential and the future in young people. And we work on anti-bullying because bullying is rife and we know it affects many of us and it, it really affects you for a long time as well. So trying to work within schools on peer-to-peer -peer support. And we work with mentoring and helping younger people find mentors to help them with all the aforementioned challenges. Mm -hmm. and I've had mentors. I was very fortunate to have some very short, sharp interactions with Anita Roddick. He was the founder of the Body Shop, yeah. who gave me some brilliant legacy advice that is still something I'm living to this day. And then I've had one male and one female mentor, yeah. um, both of whom I'm still in contact with, who've really helped. You, I mentor as well. Yeah. And I think, again, it's one of these buzzwords now where I'm a little worried that sometimes some values that are not perhaps the fullness of mentoring and support are being delivered on because when you have a brilliant mentor it can be life-changing yeah. and um, you've got to find like you said before the right fit for you yeah definitely tell me about I mean obviously your day is, is jam-packed but where do you fit in like fuel so food and, and kind of how does that look for you is it grab, grab whatever you can or are you quite particular about what you fuel yourself with that's a really interesting question. I, I am really particular. Um, and I am the best version of myself. Um, and I'm really pleased with that. I do have some health challenges. I suffer with endometriosis. I suffer with a few conditions um, linked to my blood and things. So one thing I know I need to do is make sure I do as much for myself as possible to, to keep going, to, to be as active and as energetic as I can be. Um, so exercise is really important for me, it's really important for my mind. And I try to get to gyms wherever I am in the world uh, as much as possible, or swimming, I love swimming. And that's something I can do internationally a lot easier actually. It's really easy when someone's gonna make you breakfast in a hotel to get to the gym, 
and go for a swim and still be reading the, the morning press with your breakfast. Um, but for food, I became a vegetarian when I was 20, so that's 22 years ago now. Um, I introduced fish back into my diet with the twin pregnancy because I was having a lot of challenges. So I eat certain fish now. I just can't drink uh, alcohol very, very well. I really love a glass of champagne like the next person, but it clogs your mind. It really slows you down. And when you're dealing with, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can imagine people going, she's not going to be one of my friends. Switch off now. Um, but I don't agree, actually, because I think when you were talking about, you know, you have these goals and you have, and sometimes you have to let go of things to allow yourself to achieve those goals. For me, I have to give up alcohol as one of mine because I can't, even if I have two glasses of wine the next day, I feel really cloudy. I don't sleep as well. I've got a nine month old baby, so I don't sleep anyway. So I think alcohol, that is like a... You're looking amazing. <laughs> But I agree with you, like there's only, there's only so much you can do. And if something's going to stop you being, as you said, the best version of yourself, you have to just ditch it. You do. And, and I have friends who are seething with the fact that a lot of the times I'm afforded the opportunity to travel very well or stay in some really lovely places. And they'll say, and have you been to this bar? And did you get your champagne? And did you do the lounge? And, did... and I'll say, no I just had a coffee and did my work and you know I've, I've got to adjust to a time scale I've got to be on my best version of myself at, at completely upside down times tomorrow so no I can't um so food is really important so I've just got really clever with things like I travel with a hell of a lot of um fruit health bars because if you're going to be on the go the first point is always going to be something that's not good for you. So, you know, healthy nuts, tra I travel with as much food as I can, as actually uh, laws will permit, have to say. Um, and never eat plain food um, on the plane. I always take my own diet with me because I know what I need to eat when I need to eat. Wow. Do my own time scale. And, and yes, you can be served pretty much anything you want. Um, but I still think it tends to err to the unhealthy side. I'm a massive advocate of soup. I think soup's brilliant, quick, can have a go, gives you the nutrients. Um, I agree. And same with beauty routines and, and dresses. Someone said to me, I love your look. You're always in maxi dresses. And I said, do you know why? Like, because they suit you. And I said, no, because you had to pick out a blazer and a top and a skirt and trainers today and I picked out a dress that packs really well and a pair of shoes. So that has saved loads of time yeah. from my schedule. Right. You know, just stuff like that, simplifying beauty routine. Right. Two products I think are brilliant. I use them all of the time. And I don't, you know, if anyone's on the hard sell going, well, you need to do this, you need to do this and put a mask on. It could be really enjoyable, I'm sure, but I don't have time for that. So you've got to get to the heart of the matter any little bit of efficiency is going to be huge learning to do my makeup was a brilliant thing i learned from being a musician we had to do our own makeup for band so i can do my own makeup if i'm doing tv so i can save time there i can do my own makeup um for speaking events and things i'm quick at it so it's just crazy isn't it it's just these things that you learn on the way all of this time adds up and adds up and it could be just one call for the kids and one thing I, I did learn I don't know if it's any any use to anyone out there who maybe travels away or they've got young ones and they have to be on location try and speak to your children at the appointed time when you are ready to speak to them and they have got someone who can put a phone in front of them it's just never ever ever worked for me mm. so we send video messages oh, they send me a video message under a minute at the best point of their day for me to watch and I send a video message where I can sing or read them a bedtime story. I do that a lot. So I take stories with me, read the story and do a video message and send it back to them that day. And that has taken out so much frustration in our family of me trying to get them on Skype or Zoom and them not being in a very good mood and running around and them getting upset because you're not there. It might sound really cutthroat, but that's just been a huge help. That is such an amazing tip. I love that. <laughs> Because it is, it's so, you know, if they're crying or you're doing, you're doing something else, it's just, I've always found that I work four days and I have one day with my baby and 
I now do not look at my phone once during that day on my day off with her because I was trying to do both and I was finding I was getting really frustrated with her, which is an awful thing to admit, but it's true. And then, so I was half-heartedly trying to like email on my phone. Then I was like trying to shush her. And I just thought, Lauren, what are you doing? This is like a nightmare. So now I do not look at my phone. I do not, I put my out of office on at the work and I just concentrate on her and I, we have a lovely day now. It's like you've got to compartmentalize like what you do well, for me from what you're doing and, and give it your hundred percent. I think that's, that's a real, I mean, it's, I've done it both ways. And for me, this is how it, how it worked for me. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think it's absolutely right. You know, the only, the only downside is, you know, you're sat in a boardroom and you've taken five minutes out and you're kind of going, and then George ate the cake and you kind of big bosses stood there going, you're all right, okay? Fine, be with you in a second. Um, but, you know, it's, it's I, I think it's, they want the best version of you and you want the best version of you and it's everything you can do to achieve that. And a long time ago, um, when I was a kid, I was really uh, bullied and I did a lot of, uh, I've done a lot, lots of interviews on Radio 4 and stuff about, you know, fear of failure and what drives and this kind of cradles them in this thing of how actually when you go through a tough time, it can kind of make or break you. And it's obviously given me this drive and ambition, mm. but I, I realized at an early age, I couldn't be that girl. I couldn't be that girl who looked the best and sounded the best and went to the best places and did all this. I was this girl. Mm. And I think around about 30, I just made a promise to myself that I was going to stop. And I'm really, really glad I did because then with things like Instagram and things like that, I have just found a better place with it. I'm not saying that I don't look at someone who's got an enviable beach board or a, a, a fantastic, you know, just in the, the latest wonderful holiday resort. But I'm mindful not to do it. I think there are things of my life where I could take a camera and a, a video along and I could, rather than show off things that I think would be interesting or useful to people, I could show off this wonderfully architected, perfect thing that was going on. But I know it wasn't true and I know that probably would make someone feel really bad that day. So I think the best thing to do is just be this girl. And I feel that's every single day, what have I done today? I, you know, I did actually have the joy of doing a concert with Heather Small and M people. So what have I done today to make me feel proud? But you know, what was I, what have I done for this girl today? What have I done to be that girl? What have I maybe helped or supported with or sent a chivvy message or a supportive message to someone else that I thought might be a bit down or a bit low? So when everyone was doing that aging app thing yesterday, I just kind of thought, what are we doing? It's not about what we're gonna look like, it's about the people we are, you know. I I'm gonna look more wrinkly, that's it. So <laughs> that's 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 a joy but I'm not bothered about what I look like I'm bothered honestly about who I am and what my legacy was and, and also maybe how my kids have grown up in in what I've created mm. um it's a really hard journey and I'm still on it Lauren but I think it's it's all about time we all started being so much more honest with each other there's nothing better than when a girlfriend will confide in you and say no I'm going through that too I'm suffering with that too and it's like your heart just opens because you think, oh God, I'm not alone. Yeah. And that is so good for us all to, to be that honest and have that conversation. No, definitely. And I was reading yesterday that there's a, there's a new term now that there's a half year burnout apparently. And, and, and 2019 is the year of the half year burnout. And, and I have to be honest, I'm feeling at the moment I'm going on holiday next week and I'm, I'm ready for it. Oof. But how do you, keep yourself from experiencing burnout and have you ever experienced it before um i don't think i've had a major period of it but i think when you are on you under a critical pressure to deliver mm. i think it, it, it it's probably a bit easier to keep going you know if you have to provide for your family if yeah. you have to provide for people who work for you or for your clients, that drives and pushes me along perhaps when I, if I didn't have that pressure, I might think, well, I don't, I don't feel in a great place to be doing all of this. Mm. Um, that said, I think my confidence was at its absolute lowest when 
I was pregnant with the twins and I was going through a lot of health challenges. I was running the business. I was still fulfilling my charity responsibilities and duties. I stepped back from a couple, um, but I knew I was going into a new phase and everything was about the babies and the health of the babies, quite rightly. But I think I probably was at my most challenging point um, on on retaining that uh, support for myself uh, at that point. And I think if I went back now, I'd be much fairer on myself. Mm. But I just saw this thing of I was a mum of one going to a mum of three. And I felt this pressure to make sure that there was going to be a good life for them all to come into. Yeah. Um, so yeah you can I think you can be a lot kinder to yourself um, I think doing things I love like the yoga like the singing uh, like a walk in the park like taking the dogs out they're a great quick way to clear the mind aren't they you know you can just get 20 minutes energy bursts from doing that and I nap do you nap? I do nap I couldn't nap and I love a nap I have car naps. I brilliant. I love a car nap. There's nothing wrong with it. If you can fine tune your body into doing it and then still being okay, yeah. just get to a service station, yeah. recline, whack radio far off and, and, and you know, cover over your head and just take 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And sometimes I even think that even closing your eyes, even if you're not asleep, but closing your eyes for 10, 15 minutes. You just feel refreshed afterwards. It's like it's, it's, you stop everything coming at you in your eyes, in your ears, all your senses, and just shut it down for a little bit. And it does wonders. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm not, I don't have the ability to do that. I, I'm not very good at Shavasana. My yoga yeah. teacher's working with me on yeah. being able to do this wind down for 10 minutes at the end of the session because my mind's going, okay, now we're back into work and I'm going to start doing all these things now. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think because of the time zones and because I was always jet lagged, I had to find the ability to do it. And if I'm feeling tired, feeling a bit down, the first things I do, you know, I'm a, I'm a dehydrated, right. loads of water, I'm a hungry, am I tired? Mm. Right, get rid of those basics, what else is getting to me? And then trying to sort the problem out whatever's underlying there trying to get to the number of it sometimes you just can't it's a bigger bigger thing yeah. sometimes actually something's really knocked you and it just won't leave you so deal with it you know we we put off and put off all the jobs we hate don't we yeah. you gotta get rid of them you've got to absolutely get them off the list first thing in the day because you feel so good when you've done it yeah and otherwise we just there's just like a gnawing isn't there you don't know what it is it's some kind of slight anxiety you can't really work out why and it's just there isn't it and it affects you you know you're going about your day and then you're thinking oh i need to remember that there's something that yeah i know i totally get <laughs> it's it, it it's bothersome you know it's always going to be the call you don't want to make or something you want to put on and when it's done it's just, you know, it might not be great. It might not be the outcome you want, but I, if, if something ends up starting to work its way down the list, I try and ask myself why and bring it back to the top. And also, I, I made myself a promise when I was 40, so two years ago. I really don't like bad service, as you can imagine, because I think we all pay a hell of a lot amount of money, and I think we should get the service we want and deserve. But I would complain skillfully mm. I would complain mm. and if we have bad service if we've built up for that big family holiday that isn't about the cost of the holiday it's about creating that week or 10 days to actually not be in work and, and have that and if then everything starts to go wrong you're not in a great frame of mind anyway so I would within my rights complain it's not how I want it and I actually said, no, I'm not doing myself any favours now. So I kill it with kindness. Mm. I absolutely go the opposite way. And that has been a hell of a hard learning curve for me. But I think I'm really enjoying the benefits. People are so utterly surprised when you turn around and say, oh, I know you've done your best, but can I just tell you what my experience was? And can I tell you how about I'd like it to be? You know, people will go out of the way normally to 
to, to help you back. And I think that's because everyone's just looking for some mutual respect and all of this. So that's a new, I always set myself little goals like that, you know, don't do the big lives. I know, I don't want to detract from other people's methods. We all make it through the day, we make it through the day. But if I had a pin board of the next house I was going to buy or the next car I was going to drive, A, my happiness doesn't really come from that anyway. And B, what happens if you don't, what happens if you don't achieve it? What happens if you can achieve better? You know, you, life has presented the most fantastic opportunities to me when I was more able and ready to take them. Right. So limiting yourself by being very prescriptive. I think as long as you've got a direction of travel, which I have, it includes wine and bread, which I don't eat any of and I love, and cheese and France and sun <laughs> and not much else. Um, then you just gotta go with it. <laughs> Last quick question: When you got your MBA, you were awarded it by Prince Charles. Just tell me, summarize what that day was like. I'm sure lots of people watching this will be fortunate enough to get some wonderful accolades because I know you've got a lot of amazing people in this industry. Um, think twice before you take children. Um, because I, I wanted the momentous photo. I wanted that kind of poignant thing. Um, but children, um, Book Palace, I've been, I've been to events there before and things, very fortunate. I probably should have realized that, but felt a bit pressured as a parent to say, right, I want to have this day with the people I really care about, take right. family members. Um, so that was a bit chaotic. Um, I was having a good chat to uh, people in the room that you wait in before you go for your uh, award presentation and didn't realize that one of those people was Tom Hardy because as I just explained before, I don't really watch TV very much, want to, but don't have the opportunity. So I thought I recognized him and I did recognize him. It was from CBeebies. <laughs> so I was saying to him, it would be great. I have my children here outside. It's been a bit of a nightmare. Can they sort of say hi to you um, after the presentation? He was like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, so that was quite funny then because I had a picture with the kids and Tom Hardy, not truly realizing the extent of everything, went and had lunch with my lovely, lovely family and then came back out to all these text messages from people about who this was. Oh my God, how embarrassing, Kate. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just really, really, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely thing. And I, I properly dedicate it to my grandparents because it would have meant the world to them. Uh, they were real hard workers. They were brilliant Yorkshire people. They taught me a heck of a lot. And I think the day is very much about being respectful to everyone who helped you get there.